This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. With Hannah Anderson, mornings are a little happier. The kids wake up refreshed after a full night's sleep in their super soft PJs. After breakfast, they love getting dressed on their own, as long as it's in Hannah's. The organic cotton is so comfortable and perfect for school and play. They're truly worth every penny. The colors and softness hold up wash after wash, which is why my kids are always happy in Hannah's. Hannah Anderson, made to play, made to last. Shop back to school and get 15% off with code FALL15. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. In the absence of domestic football this week, we're joined by the original psycho, David Cross, who talks to us about the season so far. We then get the latest news from X before answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. We are delighted to be joined by the original psycho, a nickname born from wearing his mother's clothing. It's David Cross. How are you doing, Crossy? <laughs> I've come back. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to get a. I just went to get something. Yeah, I'm fine, Dave. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as, as long as it isn't female clothing, I don't mind. Let's just say it was a cup of tea, shall we? Oh, oh, right. Okay, I'll get changed again then. <laughs> Dave, we're approaching a home stretch now. What's your general feeling on the season so far? Um, oh, much, much 
better than I, I would have expected. And that's not mm. belittling the club in any respect, but I, I don't think any West Ham fan could possibly have hoped that at this stage of the season we'd be where we are. Um, terrific management. Coaching is obviously good. Um, the I think I've said this before. I'm not sure if I've said it on your podcast, but I think we bought well over the last two or three seasons. Yeah. Um, the the you know the introduction of the three Czech lads, um, Jordan Bowen, even the lad from around the corner to me, uh, Craig Dawson. Um, yeah, yeah. Who might not have, you know, West Ham fans might not have expected a great deal from him, but he's proved to be what what, what real West Ham players are. They give you everything they've got. Um, and you know, honest, and give you a shift every ninety minutes. All yeah. of them, all of those people I've mentioned. Mm. Mm, definitely. I mean, what would you say have been the main highlights of the season so far? Obviously, hopefully, there's more to come. But at this point, what are the main highlights? Well, for me, the highlights have been. Again, I'm not being disrespectful, but we've never been in any danger of relegation, which. Over previous seasons, I think uh, you know our, our one of perhaps our pessimistic supporters might might say is you know let's hope we don't get relegated. That's mm. never been a question from almost day one, mm. back uh, back in August. Um, to be where we are in the in the league, battling and and not punching above our weight in any respects, I don't think, uh, and to be in Europe, still in Europe coming towards the end of March and getting into April, um, you know, the season has been terrific for, for West Ham fans. And especially for me, um, the fact that the pandemic has kind of put everyone down, you know, to not knowing what they could possibly do over the last two years. I think it's lifted everybody. Um, you know, sport has lifted everybody. But for West Ham fans, uh, I think the staff... And the players have lifted our fans, you know, and, and give give us something, really something to to cherish. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we've said before. Who would have thought that West Ham would have been a beaker of light in dark times? Because <laughs> they're normally <laughs> yeah. they're, they're normally the root of all of our problems, aren't they? But it's been the opposite. They've been fantastic, and what a season it's been so far. Dave, who has been the key players for you? <laughs> well, I, I like I said before. I think the the three Czech lads have come have come in and done terrifically well. Um, What's happened to Shufal, by the way? Where's he at the moment? Is he injured? Yeah, he should be back for this um, Sunday. Hopefully, that's what he's targeting. He had a hernia and he's had an operation. Oh, right, okay. Right. I mean, forgive me, and one or two of the people listening to this podcast might think I'm just a bit behind the, the eight ball here, but um, because of, I mean, I'm up in Manchester, you know, we don't get a great deal of information about the club. I know that the club website would give information, but... Um, yeah, the, the the thing about who should come back in and who's injured and who's dropped, it, it doesn't kind of resonate up here. You know, we don't. I don't get that information. Mm -hmm. uh, so mainly it's phone calls and talking to people like yourselves where I, I realise what's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, a terrific season, as we said. For me, um, because I was a goal scorer and a striker, 
Antonio has been the highlight for me. I just love watching him play. And I, I can't understand when I see on Twitter some people are criticising him after what he's mm. done for us. Um, I mean, he's like a monster up there. You know, put it this way. When I played, and I don't, you know, I shouldn't be going back 40 years. I know that. But um, when I played, I wanted defenders, number fives, number sixes, to look at on a Monday morning at who they were playing on Saturday and think they were playing West Ham and thought, Christ, I don't want to play against him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is what I'm sure defenders will feel when they're playing against West Ham. You know, playing against Antonio, you know, he's so strong. He keeps pulls the ball up. Um, he's, you know, I would, I know I'm probably a little bit too old to play with him now, but I would love to have had someone like him as a partner up front. You know, that he would have taken so much weight off, off anyone. I mean, the, the big, Shame, really, is it? If he gets injured, well, he, he does get injured. We, we know that. Um, we've no one to replace him up front, have we? You know, we haven't. We haven't really got uh, anyone who can step into his shoes or play alongside him. And I know the system isn't isn't a four four two like we were. But um, now, for me, Antonio, I, I love watching him play, and I love I love how he plays. I love how he go, goes about his job. But that goes for everybody in the team. And I, I'm really they look to me a little bit like a team of people who want to play with and for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that is a key in any team, whether you're talking football, cricket, whatever sport you're talking about. If you've got a group of lads who who want to get out there and do it and, um, and, and show what they're about to the fans and the fans recognise that, then that for me has been the highlight of this season. You know, the honesty that, uh, that we've portrayed out there. Mm, totally so. agree. Yeah, totally agree. Um, you mentioned him earlier. Do you think Gerard Bowen is deserving of an England call up now? I'm not sure what England look for, what Gareth Southgate looks for in his players. I, I mean, Bowen has been terrific for us, but you know, think where he's come from. He's come from Hull City, where when we signed him, would people have thought, "Oh, great, we've signed him," or would they have been thinking, "Bowen, who's he?" You know, plays for Hull. Where, didn't know much about him. I didn't know much about him. But since he's come to West Ham, he's been a revelation. And, um, you know, playing in that wide position and being able to cut in onto his good foot, um, he has been terrific. Like I said earlier on, all of the signings we've made, the, the recruitment setup must be very good. I'm not sure who's who's in charge of that, but they've got uh, they've certainly got the finger on the pulse. And Boyne is just one of the number of players who I think we've, we've brought in who have been have become proper West Ham players. I think there are one or two who've come in and gone who haven't been. Uh, I'm talking. I'm think I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Um, mm. uh, you know, and they have certainly been found out. And um, you know, the 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 people who are in that team and in that 15 who who are likely to be picked every every week for the games have been terrific for me. I think you alluded to this, Dave, earlier on when he was talking about Mikel Antonio, but how much of a gamble do you think it's been playing the whole season with just one forward and not signing a single player in January? Well, I mean, the system you play, if you play one up front, I mean, what do you call it one up front? Do you call it 4-5-1? Do you call it 4-3-3? Or, you know, what do you call it? 3-5? <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever you I don't call know. it. Yeah. What, no, whatever you call it, then one striker up front has got an awful lot of 
work to do. And he is a big workhorse, isn't he? I mean, he works hard. He gets on with it. Um, the only thing is a niggle for someone like him who is, you know, so big and strong. You know, there are always likely to be injuries. Um, you know, he's explosive. And any any player who, any athlete who's explosive in the, in, in the way, I mean, you know, you can certainly get away quickly from people, is always likely to get injuries. They always are likely to get injuries. Um, and Mikel's had those little niggles and we haven't been able to re put anyone in there who could really replace him. Um, that probably is one uh, what you would you say negative thing I think about the season that we haven't got th three genuine strikers who could rotate and, and give each other a rest every now and then mm. I mean when you look at West Ham strikers over the years do you think of like the top strikers you maybe think of uh, Ashton, Decadio, um, Cotty, McAvenny, uh, yourself, Jeff Hurst you know there's there's loads over the years where do you think Antonio ranks within those those lists of people? Bearing well, in mind he... Dave as well he's our all-time leading Premier League goal scorer as well yeah Yes, he is. You mean you say? Yes, he is. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think he's a one-off player. Um, you know, I, I've just been reading an article about him, and this sounds like I probably shouldn't say that, but he says, and I don't know if you've read this particular article, but he said, you know, I I do what I do. I'm not exactly a hundred percent, you know, the finished article. Mm. Um, but I do what I do I do it well and it works and that resonates with me as a player and I've mm. said this before to people West Ham people when I signed for West Ham the one big thing that I spoke to John Lyle about was I said I don't know if I'm a proper West Ham player a genuine West Ham player and he said what do you mean I said well I'm not you know, silky touch. I'm not quick. I, I'm, you know, I'm fast, but I'm not lightning quick. Um, but I'll get on the end of things and I'll, I'll score goals. That's what I am. And and John Lyle said to me, Dave, that's why I'm signing you because you're not what you would consider to be a, a, a West Ham player. And in that respect, I think Michael Antonio is something similar to that. He he is a one-off. He if you. If he went or he, if he got long-term injury and you brought somebody in, you'd never replace him. You'd never get exactly what he is. Mm. Um, he is just a one-off. And we're lucky to have that. Um, we're lucky to have someone like him who can do that job that he does. Uh, and as he says, he's not, you know, he's not 100% first-touch brilliant, but he does protect it because, he, you know, his body size. And um, like I said before, the, the biggest thing, for me, would be that defenders won't want to play against him. And that's a massive thing in terms of confidence for, for a player. And for a player like Mikel Antonio, knowing that defenders will not want to play against him, that will be a big boost for his confidence. And do you know another thing that you two have in common? And that is that you're both, uh, he's the last, he scored four goals. And before that, in a game, the last person to score four goals in a game was yourself. So that's All one right. thing you definitely got in common. And I think yours were against Tottenham, weren't they, mate? Um, I'm not sure. If they, yeah, they probably were. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well I've, got, I've got four, I've got four against, against Grimsby, but, and I've 
I'm not sure how it fell, whether the Grimsby, yeah, the Grimsby ones came before the Tottenham ones, didn't they? Because we got yeah. up into the, yeah, they played Grimsby and that got promotion. And then, yeah, our third, fourth game into the season, it might be in our second game of the, the first season back in the top division was that, yeah, that was the White Hart Line game. So, yeah, I didn't realise that actually that was the last time anyone had scored. Yeah, so he, he scored four against Norwich during yeah, the I, lockdown. I it. I, yeah, I watched and it during lockdown. I did, I watched that. And I was, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. And the last person almost 40 years before that to score four goals with yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as a striker, you, you know, I, I knew I was a goal scorer. That's what I... If people ask me what position I played, I just said, oh, I'm a goal scorer. They said, oh, you mean you're a centre forward? Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm a goal scorer. That's my job. I'm there to score goals. And I think I'm not sure what Mikel's goal scoring ratio is this season. Uh, you can probably tell me better. But, um, you know, he, he gets on the end of things. That was what That's what a number nine is for me. Somebody will get in the box, doesn't mind getting hurt to score a goal. Um, and regards that as... as the, the key thing you know the, the the that point at the top of the uh, of the top of the pitch to aim for to hold up to blend in and then get in the box and score that that's the job for me for a proper number nine and in that respect uh you know that that's what I like about him um you know the, the fact that you sometimes score goals sometimes you don't I mean the reason I got four goals wasn't just because of me, it was because of the creative players I played alongside. And every goal scorer needs creative players to give chances for them. You know, no one is going to pick the ball up on the halfway line, dribble past four players and score. Not these days, and certainly not when I played. But if you get on the end of stuff, you have to have those creative players to be able to put the ball in the box so that you can do that. Mm, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think the game has changed somewhat as well in terms of, I don't think there's so much of a reliance on the striker to score all the goals. And I think that's sometimes where Mikhail gets overlooked because he's such a workhorse and, and he's a bully to defenders and, and he creates yeah. space for players around him to, to get in threatening positions. And I think sometimes West Ham fans have to look beyond the fact that he doesn't consistently score goals week in, week out. You're right, Dave, he, he is a goal scorer, but when he's not scoring goals, he's always contributing in some way, shape or form. And you're right, in Mikhail, it's going to be very hard to replace that when we don't have him because he's a, he's, he, he just terrorises defences. And uh, we, we love him at West Ham, absolutely love him. Um, and one thing that we have been loving, Dave, is this European campaign. I mean, it's just been phenomenal and already created so many good memories. And we're now in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Where, Assuming you watched it, where does the Seville game rank in terms of great West Ham performances and results? And of course, I'm referring to the 2-0 win at home. I didn't actually watch. I didn't watch the game. Uh, I can't think why I didn't watch it, but I didn't. So I, I can't really comment on how we play. But if you were playing against teams of that caliber, um, you know who've qualified for Europe from their own uh, countries, then you're playing against top-level players. Yeah. And to be able to do what we've done and, and get to where we've got to is it's don't overlook the fact that you know the manager. Has, has done a good job and his coaching staff have done a good job to, to be able to play against foreign players, foreign teams, should I say, which is what we had to do. Um, and that was the biggest thing that I found when we played against teams in, in Europe back in our time was the, the different strategies that, that they 
played and came out with, which was so strange to us. You know, it was it was certainly strange to me to play against teams who man marked, for instance. Um, man marking had never had never been man marked before. Uh, and going back to what you said about Nicole Antonio being able to take defenders away and create space for other people, that's what you can do if you if you are man marked. I, I, do you understand what I'm talking about being man marked? Yeah, of course. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in England, we, we mark zones, basically. I mean, a defender will pick up a, a striker, but generally speaking, he will also be aware of certainly a striker drifting out into a position where he's not likely to score. Then the defender might let him go and, and, and let someone else pick him up. But in those European campaigns that we had, I was man-marked, absolutely man-marked. So wherever I went on the pitch, their number five just was with me a yard behind me, breathing down my neck, punching me and kicking off the ball. I mean, you just got that. Um, and I haven't really noticed the man-marking system in, in this season with us uh, in the European, but it's different. When you play in Europe, it's different. Uh, and from what I'm getting at is the scouting that has been done to be able to create um, a strategy for David Moyes to put the team out uh, and, and the system to play against these teams um, has been very impressive from my point of view. Mm, definitely. And being able to manage the, the sort of small squad that he's got um, for the league and for Europe as well, I think, is, is definitely a, a real positive. Um, because, you know, we haven't had an abundance of players to choose from, but he's managed to get it right um, and keep us fighting on, on all fronts, which is good. Um, Declan Rice is obviously a very, very important player to us. You know, he's our captain, England international, very highly regarded in the football world. How much do you think he's actually worth? And would you know? Would you ever sell him for a certain price, or is he just priceless for West Ham? Well, it depends, really. I, I mean, for me, Declan is the best defensive central midfield player uh, in the in the Premier League. Mm. Um, he senses danger, he, he mops danger up um, and he then distributes the, the ball to, to his teammates um, in a little bit of the way that the Chelsea, what was the Chelsea lad called 10, 15 years ago? The, uh, McAuley. McAuley, yeah, very yeah. similar. Breaking stuff up and then just giving it, giving it to one of the players and then getting on with it. Um, mm. He is definitely a, a defensive midfield player. Um, he doesn't really, I mean, I do see him break forward with the ball and I, that really encourages me when I see him do that. I love to see him get forward. I love to see him when he does get forward and, and tries to create stuff. Um, but if you're going to get absolutely hundreds of millions for him, then maybe then, you know, the, the uh, what you could buy, how many good players you could buy for that money might just be, um, might be the key to whether the club let him go or whether they keep him. Um, mm. No one's indispensable. No one, no player is ever indispensable. And he would be a massive loss, certainly for me, on the defensive side. Um, I would, if I was playing with him, I'd, I'd, in the same team as him, I'd certainly be asking him to pass the ball to me more than he does. But um, that's how he has been sent out to play uh, and that's what he does he breaks it up he gives it and keeps it simple um, I would like I would love him to pass forward more um, and be more creative 
and I've seen that in the probably in the last three or four months. I've seen him getting forward and breaking in. One thing you would say, and one what critics would say, severe critics would say, well, how many goals does he score? Um, how many goals does he create? And I don't know. I don't know how many, you know, you may have stats on that. Um, but he is definitely a defensive midfield player. Um, and maybe that will have a, a reflection on, on if we do sell him, how much he will go for. Well, one negative that's come from this season, Dave, and it happened off the pitch, was the Kurt Zuma incident. Uh, I'm sure you know what happened. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe you've seen how it's been handled since. Do you think the club have handled that in the right way since? Again, and I'm not dodging the issue here, but I'm up in Manchester and I just don't get inside information about what goes on. I mean, mm. it wasn't a pleasant incident. Nobody would disagree with that. I'm sure the lad himself will, will wish he never did what he did. Um, but, I, I mean, it's gone now, hasn't it? I mean, it's over and done with and it's forgotten. Well, not forgotten, but you know what I mean. He's mm. served his punishment of whatever it was. I mean, what are you saying? That they should have suspended him for longer or sacked him? or What, what, what are you saying? No, I mean, like you, and I think it's quite key what you said there, you know, have we not moved on from it? And, and you know, I'm the yeah. biggest animal lover in the planet, but I think now is the time where we should have moved on from it. And maybe it's fans of other clubs that are stopping that from happening. But to my yeah, knowledge, I, right. yeah, I, I think to my knowledge, the club of, of um, you know, I think Kurt's been fined quite heavily and the club have made certain contributions to animal welfare charities. And uh, you've got the public, rightfully so, the public humiliation of what him and his brother did. How much more can you actually do? You know, I, I don't think there is much more you can do. X, I mean, there isn't any more that anyone can do. I mean, is there, is there? No, I mean, the only argument was obviously after it first came out in the, in the media that he'd done that, um, we decided to play him in a game. What I think it was the day after or two days after when there was lots of calls for the for the club to have suspended him for at least a game. His brother plays for Dagenham and Redbridge, and obviously he's not as valuable to them as Kurt is to us, but they suspended him and, and didn't play him after that. And there was a lot of calls that maybe West Ham should have done that. But David Moyes took the decision that um, the punishments would be decided by the RSPCA and by the club. If the player was available, then his job isn't to, to decide what punishment he should get. His job is to win football matches for West Ham. And so there was that kind of d debate whether the, whether the club had been a bit soft by not suspending him at all. No, I understand what you're saying, and and I think you're right about the fan opposition fans. They'll never, they will, they will be booing him all season. They'll be booing him next season because of it. Mm. Um, you know, he will not get over that. But he just has to accept that he's made a huge mistake. Um, as you say, animal lovers. You know, I've, I've got a dog as well, and so I, I understand what you're saying about that. But um, he'll not, he'll not be able to forget what he's done because of away fans no way will they let him uh forget what he did um but it's it's one of those where west ham as a club probably weren't going to win whatever they did you know if as mm -hmm. you say they, they he played what two days after it all broke didn't he but maybe that's a way of getting over it you know he's out there for him it's a bit like when you say, you know, you fall off your bike. The best thing to do is get back on the bike and, and give yourself another go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, is that the right way to do it? Or should they have 
suspended him for two weeks and then almost when he comes back it makes it even worse you know so it's you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't and, and it's a very difficult situation for the club and almost a unique situation really when you think about it mm-hmm. yeah definitely um do you think Yarmolenko's run of goals obviously he scored the winner against um Aston Villa he got the uh, winner against Sevilla um do you think this is a one of those great moments in football where there was almost like a script written given the fact you know what's going on in in his home country is this like one of those moments that's waiting to happen do you sense um I, I mean it was almost a you know a, an emotional moment for everybody wasn't it when he scored mm. that goal you know um, not even a week into the Russian invasion uh, of his of his country. I mean, I was surprised that he was actually playing because, you know, what he must be going through um, with his family over there, it, it must be so difficult. Um, but, you know, the, he, he is a player that has so much ability that sometimes you think, is he doing, you know, the job that, some of the lesser players are doing for the club. Um, there are times when I've watched him play and I've wondered whether he really fancies playing that day, that particular day. Um, but with, when you look at what he's got, what he's got in his locker, I mean, he's got fantastic ability. Um, and it's just, as you say, it's one of those things you couldn't really make it up, could you? The him scoring that goal, that tapping, you know, you couldn't make it up. Mm, bearing in mind what he's been going through and uh you know with with all the the trouble in his home country Mm. i know it's hard to say dave but where do you think we'll finish in the league and what's going to happen in the europa league now we're in the quarters um i I honestly don't know i mean how many games have we got left five no a bit more than that a bit more i think it's about eight league games roughly right Mm. Uh, right i didn't realize it was that right i mean usually you know of course we're, we're only getting into april aren't we um I mean, you can't predict that. I'm just pleased that we've we've done what we've what we've done and and given all our fans a great season and given the players the opportunity to realise how good they can be. That you can beat top teams. You know, you can beat the the elite lads who are going to break off and go into Europe. You know, we we're getting into that that little situation ourselves. Um, and where we finish, just as long as we get into Europe, I mean, what again, what do we need to do to get into um, to get into the Europe, the the European, the top European, what used to be the European Cup? What do we need to do? Is it top six or does it depend on somebody winning the cup or? Well, yeah. So basically, it's top four Champions League, top Champions six. League, yeah. Top six will get you Europa League, and I think if you finish seventh, you go into the Europa Conference League. And I, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, X, um, what happens if certain teams win a cup. Yeah, I think well. with, with the FA Cup, uh, Liverpool. Uh, from, from memory, Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea is it are still left in. And if if that one of those, I think Crystal Palace, the other team, if one that of gets those, one more club a chance, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, if they win the cup, then it moves down again. We we basically just don't want Crystal Palace to win the FA Cup. Anyone else, it's, and it goes down. Yeah, the yeah. position. yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, if you finish, sometimes you get greedy, don't you? You know, we're talking about <laughs> will yeah. we finish in the European, you know, the Champions League, or will we be in the Europa? You know. You'd have taken that at the start of the season, whichever. <laughs> mm. um, you know, so where we finish, it, it depends on 
of what a stupid thing to say, but it depends on the results, doesn't it? It depends on how we go. It depends on how the European um, campaign takes takes out of the players because the travelling that you know, that's involved um, can take. I mean, I, I remember, do remember from our European campaign, it was difficult when you came back on from a midweek game in Europe and then having to play on the Saturday. And it was always Saturday for us, obviously. You know, the, um, there were no Sunday games back then, but it was it was hard to taking all the traveling the time differences and all you know the the kind of emotion and and the physical uh work that you'd done in midweek um it it depends a, a great deal on on how the european thing goes i think if certainly if we keep on winning then that will give the lads so much confidence to go into the next game um but if you lose a couple of games, you go out of Europe, sometimes a season can fall away. Mm. Uh, and I just hope that doesn't happen. I mean, I, I don't know whether we'll finish fourth, fifth, sixth or whatever, but I'm certainly just, like I said, right at the start, I'm just so delighted. We're not looking at fourth, fifth from bottom, which has happened, um, you know, in, in numerous seasons uh, in the past decade. Mm. Yeah, you're mm. right. Quite a prestigious award in, in sort of West Ham. You know, history is the Hammer of the Year award. If you was to give the Hammer of the Year to someone at this point now, obviously, given the fact there is eight or so games before, you know, we need we know the final outcome of the season at this point in time. Who would you give the Hammer of the Year award to? Well, again, it's difficult for me because I only see games that are televised, so I've not even seen a. I've not even been down to a game. I think the last game I came down to was about three years ago when we just signed Haller. So that long, you know, is that three years ago? That was the, that, yeah. the last time I was able to come and watch a live game. Um, so it's very difficult for me. I think I know who will win it. Go on. Uh, Declan Rice. Yeah, I agree. I think he will win it because of, you know, what he's done. Uh, and, and as you say, the... Um, the kind of glue that he he knits, you know, keeps us together in that situation and that position that he plays, um, and so many other players would, you know, you, who would you say would be? I I like Suchek. I've enjoyed uh, Kufal, watching him just getting on with the job. Just, you know, no fancy stuff, just getting on with his job, not being in intimidated by any of the so-called star players who, who would take him on one for one. Um, Bowen has done well um, in a minor way. Dawson has been good mm -hmm. for me at, at the front in from set pieces and at the back defending. You know what you're going to get from him, don't you? Mm -hmm. Honest, honesty. Um it's difficult. It's difficult when I haven't seen all the games, and and you don't. You certainly when you when you watch a game on TV, you don't get a feel for it like you do when you're actually there, like you guys are. Um, I mean, what would you? You couldn't give it Mark Noble out of emotion, could you? Just because it's his last season. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's very difficult. I mean, what about you guys? What would you? What would you think? Well, I think we're in agreement on this, X. I mean, I'll give you my top three, and, I'm, I, and I'd be surprised if X disagrees. But I'd, I'd, I think Declan Rice will walk away with it this season. I think yeah. Jared Bowen will be runner-up. And yeah. I think 
politically, it would stop him breaking into the top two. But when you look at consistency, game by game, I think Kurt Zuma's been fantastic for West Ham since right. he signed him. And mm, I think he'd yeah. probably make up the top three. I don't know if X, you'd disagree with that. I'm assuming no, you wouldn't. I- no, I totally agree. That would be my three as well. Um, I think, I think, um, as David said, that um, Dawson is a is a sort of you know the unsung hero type one, and often yeah. hammer of yeah. the year or runners up. Hammer of the year are those players that aren't necessarily the most skillful, aren't necessarily the most you know. Um, technically most important but I think he's right I think Dawson's been a massive contributor to our season especially when you didn't think he would be because he wasn't you know the first choice centre-back but you know Bonner and um, Zuma were but I think I think you're right for me it is Rice Bowen and Zuma and the political stuff around Zuma probably stops him from being able to challenge the other two right that's really interesting you say that and and that really uh, enhances what I was saying about not watching games live I would never have picked Zuma out not because I don't think mm. he's very good not because I, I don't think he's done well mm. but I just haven't seen that I haven't seen what you've seen um, it, it's you know you really surprised me with saying Zuma he obviously has done a, such a good job that mm. isn't visible by the cameras from television games you know mm. which is all I can see I can only watch and I, I do know when you're at the game you see the whole picture Whereas when you're watching it on television, you only see really where the ball's going and where it takes you. Um, but that is a surprise, a pleasant surprise that you've said, Zuma. Uh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked that out. Not because, as I said, not because I don't think he's done well, just that I haven't noticed what he's done, um, which obviously you guys have done by being there every week. Mm, and he's shown, to be fair, I mean, like I say, none of us are happy with with what he did, but. Considering what he did and the and the the, uh, the backlash that he got from it, his level of professionalism and focus and maturity has also been very impressive. You know, he hasn't looked phased by it at all. Um, no. And to play at this level as consistently as he has done under that pressure has, has been impressive. You know, you've got to say that. Crossy, as always, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, mate. Thanks for coming on, pal. It's okay, no problem. I love that. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a vision center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. 
And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.